Welcome to Escaping Custerberus, the podcast where we rewatch, reminisce, and review everything Doctor Who from 2005 to present. My name is Rich, and I'm joined by someone who will definitely not be being sucked dry when she's old and wrinkly. It's Amy. Ah. <laughs> I thought of that one on the spot. I am very proud of myself. That's vile. Are you proud of me? No, because oh, it's okay. vile. <laughs> <laughs> But was this episode vile? That is what we're going to be answering today on Escaping Gustavus, episode number twelve. Actually, twelve. Episode episode number twelve of our of our reboot. Technically thirteen because previously Christmas was episode specials. zero. No, previously oh, was episode yeah. zero. I mean, is That's it of fun. our of our second run of EK? Not like I see. episode twelve. This is the sixth episode of series three. Yes, we're talking about the Lazarus experiment broadcast on the fifth of May two thousand and seven. We had just turned wow. 12, Amy. Wow. We're really going for it, aren't we? Yeah. 12 it's years old was a time. <laughs> we were 12 years old when this aired, and now we're both 26. I don't wish I could be 12 again, though. No, I don't either. That sucks. Not 12. School's I actually, young. I think the best age is 21, personally. I, yeah. I, I reminisce back to being, like, young Early and 20s. reckless and at uni. It was great fun. And now we're, you know, old and... Losing our old. hair. No, you're losing your I'm hair. I'm losing Don't my bring hair. Me into that. <laughs> I'm not losing my hair. My hair's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. Yeah, but you've been but... losing your hair since you were like twelve. Shh. So. Oh wow. So it was. This it was this episode's fault. The reason I'm going bald. <laughs> yeah. Is that what Lazarus okay. sucked all the youth God, out of you? And <laughs> God damn it, Mark, stop sucking me dry. May you um, lose your hair. Welcome, folks, to the Lazarus Experiment. Welcome back to Escaping Gustavus. And as per with our with our usual <laughs> with our usual um, opening of our recordings, we're going to open with apologies for it being so long. It has been a been a pretty long while since our last episode. I'm going to double check when our last episode was because I can't actually remember. I feel like I really do feel like it was before Christmas. It wasn't before Christmas. I can tell you that much. Was it New it was Year? On, it was on January the eighth. Oh, okay. So it was the week so after New Year. It was the week after New Year. Um, Oops, and nearly two months. <laughs> yeah, nearly two months. Please, please accept our apologies. And as I always, I always say this anyway, and I really appreciate it that like no one, everyone who listens to this podcast knows that it's a bit spotty. It's a bit here and there. Mm-hmm. Everyone understands and thankfully appreciates that we don't get people tweeting us saying. Where's your next episode? Ra 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 ra, and you know we really, we, we really, really do appreciate that. So, do so not thank have you. The schedules for <laughs> recording. <laughs> yeah, we we do a lot of stuff, and since January the eighth, we have been doing a lot of stuff. Um, I went to Paris and uh, helped produce Le Mans Virtual. That was like fifteenth mm-hmm. and sixteenth of January, I believe. You and left then, on the twelfth, actually. I left on the twelfth. Yes. And then it's been, and then since then it's just been really, really busy. I've been trying to get back onto YouTube stuff, which I am doing. Um, but yeah, it's been really busy. And Amy, I've got a new job again, yep. which I feel like I say a lot on this podcast. <laughs> it's like, oh, I got a new job. I got a new job. I got a new job. But um, this is nothing reflective of you. This is reflective no, of the places you've ended up working. Yeah, it's not. I promise, I'm not just like an awful employee that gets sacked every i've actually never been sacked so that's really helpful um but no it just happened to be that when we moved uh back to northampton i got a job that only worked out for like a month because it was awful so then i went and worked for one of my old bosses where i was there for what eight eight months something like that was it really that long wow yeah i worked there from the uh start of may ish until right um when did i leave christmas eve christmas yeah so yeah about eight months um maths seven months i don't know what that math is <laughs> uh and then i left there on christmas eve and now i work for the nhs and the reason i left my last job was purely because it was running me into the ground didn't really feel like it was doing me any favors i was basically just a delivery driver wasn't really exercising my full, full potential um, and you were basically running the place at points which yeah. was very much not fair on you so yeah exactly this is obviously um, this is nothing against amy and i can confirm that she is wonderful in everything she thanks. does um it's <laughs> you're just a bit that biased you, but and for, i mean i'm not if i i'll tell you how it is yeah but I know. Uh, like if 
it just unfortunately that since we moved here or we could start EK again after I left What Culture, which funnily enough was a year ago as of yesterday. Yeah. Holy crap. Um, yeah, just nothing seemingly worked out for you. It's been, unfortunately. I've been, thankfully, I've been all right. I've nearly yeah, been at my new job for lucky. almost a year, which has mm-hmm. been mad and it's been brilliant and I've loved every second of it. Um, but hopefully things are really going to sort of properly settle yeah. now. I mean, I'm thinking so, like, I do enjoy this job um well i've only been there a month and people's favorite question to ask me is are you still enjoying it as if i shouldn't be as if you um, should turn around and be like no i hate it already literally people were asking me that within the great. first like three days of my job i was like dude this is not a good standard it's just standard standard job small talk isn't it yeah oh are but, you um, enjoying it like what else do you say like what, what else what else do you reply with and what else do you say to a new starter like are you having a good time you don't just go I mean, open the conversation like do you like doctor who <laughs> i mean do you I'm like not video games funny. But when people say you're still enjoying it when you've only been there three days, it was kind of like, should I not be still enjoying it? Are you expecting me to say something different? And also, what do you expect me to say? I'm hardly going to turn around and go, actually, no, I'm just here for the money, really, because the money's not even like... (laughs) I mean, you see that a lot of like, you go to a job interview and they say, why would you like this job? And you say, well, I need to keep a roof over my head. Like, (laughs) I need need money to survive. How else am I going to buy Lego? Capitalism. Um... (laughs) So, yeah, so that obviously being, um, that was a hell of a lot of a change for me to take on because I've always worked as a barista for literally the last 10 years of my life. The only jobs I've had have been in coffee shops. So, uh, well, minus two, but we won't talk about those two. Um, and (laughs) for the sort of difference between being a barista to suddenly working in the NHS and being in a totally in different style job, yeah, is yeah. yeah, I'm not a doctor or anything, let's just get that clear. <laughs> <laughs> I uh I basically file paperwork and handle people's patient information and stuff like that. So yeah, I'm admin based, but it's good. Like I think it's a good change that I needed and Absolutely. I get to work with a couple of my friends who also work there and the the people that I work with on my team are really great and yeah, so it's... And you get your weekends back. Exactly, and that was the other thing I was going to say. I've gone from shift work to a Monday to Friday, 8 till 4, 9 till 5, 10 till 6, whatever shift I end up doing. Um, but it has meant that I'm struggling, not struggling to adapt, but it's very different. It is a change. I'm which is constantly Which is honestly sort of, why... Yeah. Um, it's, yeah, it's it's why we've been so spotty because you've been getting used to a new schedule. We've been really busy uh, at Traction. I mean, if you are keeping in, keeping on top of games, like we've got loads of stuff happening at the minute. We've, we've hit our first, um, or at least the, the first big batch of games releasing in the new year. So we've had loads and loads of stuff that we've been able to keep on top of. A set of course, Competence the Only, Gran Turismo 7, Grid Legends, um, what else? Monster Energy Supercross 5, we've got Chocobo GP coming out. So it's like we are like suddenly we're, we're stacked with loads of stuff to do. So, you know, we've both been very busy. And like we've said, this, this change in schedule has meant that we've had to work out how our weeks are structured from there. Yeah. Because, you know, I'm still streaming as much as I can. I'm trying to get YouTube underway. I'm, I'm annoyed at myself that my YouTube has been the one thing that's kind of dropped because um, I never expected it to. I never, I never planned it to be, but it's been the thing that I've struggled to get back up and going again. Mm-hmm. Um, but don't worry, there is there is a video coming soon, and obviously EK gets uploaded, which is great. It's easy content for me to put on YouTube. Yeah, um, I mean, so- it doesn't help that we used to record on a Wednesday night, but now it's kind of it doesn't really fit into our schedule anymore to do a Wednesday evening because no, but we're, so we're probably are, moving it back to the weekends. Yeah, well, we can now that I have weekends off. I mean, it's Sunday today as we're yeah, recording this. The so last that's more than likely few, where it's going to go back to. Yeah, the last few weekends since I've started my job a month ago have literally been so full on because obviously the first few weekends you ever have off in your life, which I've literally not had any weekends off for 10 years that haven't <laughs> been holiday bookings. Um, obviously I was going to be busy because people were like, oh, we can do this, we can do this, we can do this. Yeah. And I think I lo- this as weekend, much as I love it. This it's... weekend coming is the first one we've got that mm-hmm. is actually not got anything booked. Yeah. And for good reason, I've got Gran Turismo 7. 
from Friday. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm gonna be I'm gonna be sat in front of my PlayStation all weekend. Um. So yeah. Uh. So that's 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 where we've been, and I know that you know we, you joked about this with me earlier that like we're gonna open this podcast again, saying sorry. I mean, for um, people who are binging this podcast in the background, who come across it in maybe like a year's time, and they're like, why did they open so many episodes <laughs> with "I'm sorry." <laughs> We just, we just, you know, we don't want to take it for granted. We, we do mm-hmm. really appreciate that that you guys are patient, and we love that you know the audience we have has managed to stick even with being so inconsistent. Because you know, obviously, with working in YouTube, I have been asked, you know, what, what what's the best thing to do when you're trying to do YouTube, and it's like consistency. It is consistency, and yet I'm literally the worst at consistency, as you can see from my own YouTube channel and this podcast. I mean, the beauty of doing the episode reviews for Doctor Who is that it was weekly and it was like, I can't really not do Shy it. away from Whereas that. Whereas now that I'm having to just drum up my own content, which I've got loads of ideas, I just need to actually make them. It's, yeah, it's not it's been as... It's just finding uh, the time, I've not been it? stuck to it too much. It's not even necessarily finding the time. It's sometimes finding the energy because, you I mean, you're working, working a full-time job and then, you know, trying to stream twice a week at least and then, you know, planning a wedding, which we are doing... And all that, and just everything else that life throws yeah. at you, trying to find the time to do everything in one go is, uh, it's difficult. Which especially so, when, like, you leave the house at eight o'clock and you don't get back to the house till six p.m., it's kind of yeah takes it out. So like you. I, yeah, exactly. And I, I try not to wear myself out too much. And if there's anything I'm going to do that's going to wear me out, like if I ever willingly wear myself out, it'll be for my job because at the end of the day that's what pays the bills so wow. i mean if i yeah. have to stay late and work late which i did the week just gone then i then i'll do it so mm-hmm. yeah as you guys know things always have to give way and things like ek and youtube are always going to be for no for no reason apart from logistics and importance in terms of you know financial reasons yeah i was gonna say the, the fact that we it's need never to down to the fact we don't want to do it because we do want to do it we always want to do it but i'm know. always going like hey should we do the podcast this week and then it gets to like the day we're supposed to do it and so it comes up and we're like oh <laughs> yeah genuinely i mean if we were if we were recording on a wednesday this week coming we literally wouldn't be able to because i'm working late again so mm-hmm. it's like yeah it's it's a whole thing but yeah that's 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 where we've been and i, I hope you folks appreciate the fact that we we always like to be clear on what's going on when things don't go to plan because yeah. I've I've come from somewhere that decides to keep everything as quiet as possible when stuff changes and from seeing it from the, the business side and looking at the audience reaction to it it's not the best idea so we're mm-hmm. always going to try and be a lot more clear when we say you know it's going to be a while until the next one but hopefully now when now we're back into a bit of more we've settled into us into a new schedule now or at least amy's settled into a new schedule hopefully we can we can stick to this a bit more so and we are we are making our way through series three but now we're on the lazarus experiment sixth sixth of may, so this is of the may. sixth episode of it of sixth episode fifth of may so how many 2007 we uh another seven episodes because next week is 42 which is the episode you keep forgetting exists. Yeah. But you also no, I don't kind of, forget it exists. You mix it I up confuse with, it with um, come the on. Satan Pit and yeah. uh, what's it from Impossible Series Planet. 2. Yeah. Because always, aesthetically always, always. They, they are very, very similar. Obviously, we'll, we'll cover that once we get to it next week, but like, I mean, they are very similar. You've got the red glow. You've got the kind of steel ship looking thing you've literally got the, the, tunnels yeah. that people are having to escape through it's basically the same episode grimy just industrial yeah just with a different big bad of the week isn't it <laughs> yeah and also the first the first big bad from chris chibnall uh, that's next week that's next time that's gonna be i fun. feel like maybe now, i will look at it slightly differently now <laughs> yeah i mean i haven't watched that one since like we first watched it probably or the last time we did a watch through together like in full which would have been donkeys ago, ago so we uh but anyway let's let's talk about let's talk about lazarus experiment that's why we're here oh yeah <laughs> so we've got mr lazarus himself mr mark gators his first appearance in doctor who obviously he wrote um the unquiet dead mm-hmm. in series one uh, but this is the first time he's appeared in the show as an actor and i think he's one of the first people to have appeared in the show and written for it at least in the right. new era so and he's a mad scientist he makes a machine makes himself young again and wreaks havoc as a creature straight out of a resident evil game on the ps2 yeah um, it was a bit janky so i mean I, do you know what let's let's talk about lazarus to kick things off and the first thing i need to say and this is a full like this is a 
this is more of a uh, an appreciation for the 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 prosthetics they used but genuinely when i watch this episode and in certain shots certain points when he's lit in a certain way the prosthetics the aged prosthetics on mark gatis they genuinely can they genuinely fooled me when i was young uh-huh. i 100% thought it was a different actor i thought the way he performed it the way he sounds and the way he looks at least like i said in certain shots i'm i was fully fooled that it was somebody else i mean i think when we're when you get older and you obviously know what prosthetics are and you can sort of see through it a little bit you can see his eyes and obviously eyes are a dead giveaway when it comes to yeah. prosthetics because it like i think there's a point in this series when we see david in older prosthetics uh twice actually and uh his eyes are so apparent that it's still here. They're young. Yeah, um, yeah. But I think with Mark Gatiss, the way that they did his was they gave him such sunken eyes that it was almost hard to see them a little bit at times. Yeah. So I can sort of see why it would be a bit more um, believable. Which is why when there's a shot upstairs when he takes what's it that woman upstairs the, the older woman uh, lady thor uh takes her upstairs and and flirts with her gives her a bit of a snog there's a point when he's like looking almost directly down the camera and he's been lit in such a way it's so it almost like really accentuates the fact there's a face beneath the face mm-hmm. and that's where it's like yeah i mean that, obviously that's fully Gatiss. we know this now but like back usually it's the shots of him stood in front of the machine when he's doing his little speech i'm like genuinely that looked like someone else yeah so i i was fully fooled by it and as obviously as much as i know that now i'm still looking at it watching it again today and thinking that is probably one of the most convincing aged prosthetics i've seen in doctor who Mm -hmm. and this is in series three yeah so you know they they did very well with that but on the flip side sorry no it's all right i was gonna say i think the only part of me that looks at it slightly um outside of reality is that i look at it and think do old people's skin really look that sunken like because his was quite deeply like inset when it but i think it was purposely done to kind of try and illustrate the huge difference between him being old to him being young again and all that sort of stuff on it yeah, I mean, you see the, the things of him as the older Lazarus stood next to Lady Thor, who is obviously played by an older woman. And you can see how... It's almost like you look at their neck, you know, when old people get a slaggy the, neck. The turkey gobble. And it's like the... Tur- yeah, and it's like you see how much hers is there and you see how much Mark's is there. And it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, yours is a lot more exaggerated. If this were if this were theatre, he was on a stage, perfect. It'd be perfect. But for close-ups on screen, it's like, yeah, you've got, you've taken it just that that edge too far. Mm-hmm. But you know, again, it's Doctor Who. It's not one of those things you really criticise. But then, and then, and I can use the segue now. But on the flip side, uh, when it comes to the creature Lazarus, the, um, the conceptually, I love the idea of there being a potential evolutionary direction that humanity could have gone in, and this was potentially one of them. But they did, but it didn't go that way. It went to where we are now. But somehow he unlocked it and brought back like a relic of, of potential humanity. I find that really interesting. I do find it really interesting. It's a cool concept. The only thing that I find a bit sort of janky and unbelievable about the whole thing is the sheer kind of size and scope of what he ended up turning into and it kind of feels like i get it that it's maybe supposed to be kind of heralding back to the dinosaurs and that kind of thing but like humans didn't evolve from dinosaurs so i don't think humans have ever really had an evolution that would be rejected in that kind of form have we like oh this is a bit interesting nah not that it's (laughs) never it may may have been more of a thing that they could have written in a line for david that said you know this was, you know, this could have been a mid two million years after the point when humanity took a direction to where they are now. So, like maybe like beyond where we are, for example. Obviously, I don't know how they could have worked that in without it feeling too much like exposition. But I do see what you mean. They could have made it a bit of a diff. They could have made him a little bit closer to human uh, human yeah. size, like, like just I a bit bigger. He just but not like ridiculously big. Yeah, he just basically becomes like almost like you can't believe that he's supposed to be human anymore. I think if it had been 
a kind of human form that was slightly more dangerous than I feel like maybe it would have been. Not that it, I mean, it's a suspension of disbelief in it. I say that phrase a lot on this podcast, but it's basically I mean, just yeah. like, what do you choose to pick holes in? Are you just going to give yourself the benefit of the doubt and believe that this is a thing? 90% of the time with Doctor Who, you have to kind of go, yeah, we're just going to ignore the fact that this wouldn't actually be the case and just let it be. Um, yeah. So I get it. But I do think that this episode had a very good balance of um, uh, tension and um, action compared to... Because it's only like a one-episode story. But what, again, what Russell T. Davies is... Actually, who wrote this episode? It It wasn't wasn't Russell Russell. T. Davies, was it? No, no, it was uh, Stephen Greenhorn. Stephen Greenhorn. Um, One thing I did want to point out with uh, Stephen's writing is the fact that he very cleverly balanced out um, the sort of exposition-y side of things and the action side of things. But also, in those moments when the Doctor is speaking to Lazarus and sort of saying, like, you know, I'm older than you think and all this kind of stuff, especially that scene in the church you really, really feel like um, Stephen got the... um, Oh, God, what's the word I'm looking for? I always seem to forget words when we're recording. Um, (laughs) Standard procedure. He basically really understands the Doctor's backstory and his like the way he would feel in the situation that Lazarus is in. And the dialogue between the two of them, I think, was absolutely spot on. Like, you really couldn't have got that depth of emotion from anybody else except the Doctor. Um, And so I think that was done really, really well, to be honest, because the dialogue is something that in these earlier series really, really is key to the progression of a lot of the stories. But one of the things that whenever you talk about the Lazarus experiment, people always talk about the monster and the CGI of it. And it's like, yeah, the CGI is not great. It it could, it's not like completely dreadful, but the main thing that people point out is the face. Mm-hmm. The fact that they took an image of Mark Gatiss's face and, and added it to the texture they put on this model. And it's obviously to give it, a, as much as you get a, a, um, a heavily implied transformation sequence, obviously it's not overly done it's it's not like the empty child or tooth Mm -hmm. and claw or night terrors during matt smith's era where you see like a full-on transformation sequence happen usually for something like this i I guess like kind of like tooth and claw they probably blew all the budget on making a werewolf a full werewolf transformation maybe for this one they thought "Eh, maybe we can't really stretch to that and also uh, logistically like that kind of transformation it's quite it's quite drastic between the two so Mm -hmm managing to to choreograph something like that would have been quite difficult for them but they wanted to make that have there be something that means you can very much relate to it being lazarus and obviously with that was having his face on it even though it doesn't 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 really like margatus but it's a face no i mean it's meant to say look here's the essence of humanity that's left there kind of sort of not really because he's got a weird predator mouth i feel like it almost would have been better had they just negated his face entirely and yeah like just put a monster face on it but not his face because literally no other part of the body that you see on this monster is human in any shape or form so why did the face specifically have to be the one thing that the evolution apparently oh no the face is good we'll keep the face like <laughs> yeah I, I think it's i think that was added for the sake of having there be some kind of referential tangent between the two characters but again everything else surrounding it very much implies this is lazarus this is yeah. going to be something else i mean unless the fact they that wanted he literally... to not add a face and add a twist that there's two of them yeah Ooh. i mean that's, the that's fact... a whole narrative thing to, to discuss another time the fact that so. the doctor literally refers to him as lazarus i think would have given it away enough well exactly um, like i said the, the, the transformation sequences pseudo transformation sequences very much play up to that Mm -hmm. and i also love the fact that they do the stereotypical doctor who early noughties monster thing when it's looking through the eyes of the monster it's a different (laughs) color screen and it's all with a bit of motion blur yeah classic (laughs) "Hmm, i'm the monster now (laughs) 
for the sake of not making like trying to structure this podcast a bit better because the thing about these are we just wing it basically and normally I answer questions right at the end but um, having them on my screen right now means I can drop them in as and when relevant to what we're talking about so Aaron has asked how does Lazarus rank amongst Doctor Who's CGI monsters so far do you think he could have been done practically he's surprisingly Resident Evil-esque for family TV on reflection so yeah it is very Mm -hmm. Resident Evil um I'm trying to think of the CGI monsters. I know that's what I'm doing. Because obviously we've had the werewolf, haven't we? Werewolf was fully CGI. We've had Uh, the the Krillitane. No. Yeah, Krillitane was CGI. Um, We had the. Technically, the Slitheen running was CGI. Are they called the Krillitane or was it Krillitane oil? Krillitane. They are called Krillitane. That's what they are called. Um, That was another one. I just had a tip of my tongue and it's left me all of a sudden. Uh, The Reapers from Father's Day, they were fully CGI. Um, there's probably more that I'm trying I've to think of. I've got to be honest. Remember. I think out of most of the examples we've just given, this one's the worst. Like in terms of CGI. Yeah, yeah I would say. I, because yeah. I think it's because they tried to do it on a much bigger scale. So mm. he's a big monster. So the fact that they're trying to fill him, like fill rooms with him and like put into perspective his size and his stature and the fact that they added the weird face which maybe kind of wasn't necessary i think that makes him look much more out of place than say the other ones like the werewolf i feel was still more um, the werewolf is probably the best because in terms of just just generally it's 3d model and having to do all the hair stuff like i remember watching Uh the doctor confidential about modeling and animating that werewolf that would have been very very difficult and for for series two like when as much as obviously series one was successful enough to justify a series two and the budget would have increased like it's it was really really good for tv cgi at the time the werewolf probably takes it Mm -hmm. as for the question about doing it physically doing it practically sorry again if if they'd have made they could have still gone for that very Resident Evil. Like I like the sort of the grey of the creature, the sort of exposed rib cage. Like they mm-hmm. could have played up to that, but made it physical, done a practical costume. It would have been, it would have been restrictive in terms of how he could have moved, because obviously the way that the the, the Lazarus creature moves in this episode, it's it's very very active uh-huh. and it was the main reason why the Slidine in series one, whenever they were running, it was always CGI because those costumes you could not run in them. Uh huh. Uh, until they may until later on in like the Sarah Jane adventures when they made the costumes a lot better and the actors could run in them so it would have changed up the whole dynamic if they'd have done it practically would it have been more convincing yes but at the same time like I said I don't feel like I watch this episode and think that it ruins it per se no not Um, at all so I think it, it it CGI was probably the best way to go. I just think there were small decisions that could have been made that probably would have made it better, um, like the face and maybe maybe trying not to add so many details onto his body because I feel like his monster body was very very like intricately designed, yeah, and yeah. he had parts that. You probably don't even see for more than like two seconds in a shot that have probably had far too much detail added to them. So I don't know whether maybe adding less detail would have meant that the CGI quality could have been slightly better. But you can also kind of tell that they spent all of the money on the monster for the CGI for this episode because there's that shot of, um, is it Tish? Trish? Tish. What's Tish? There's a scene of Tish and Lazarus on the roof and the motion tracking. Her back arm that's furthest away from the camera is like the edge of it is so like wibbly and like cut into where the green screen clearly wasn't like tracked properly. And you can see properly. that they're not properly tracked to the ground because they're slightly sliding around uh-huh. on the position they are. Because obviously they shot this in Cardiff because it's where Doctor Who was shot. And they've obviously mapped on a London skyline to this rooftop set or whatever they had. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's, a, bit, it's a bit rough. Another thing in terms of the production, and we don't know whether this is the Blu-ray we're watching because we're watching the, the newest blu-ray steelbooks of doctor who series one to whatever they're up to series eight now yeah um and well, i need my series nine one come on bbc 
get it sorted. Um, and this episode was horrifically overexposed. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't have an original DVD to check with. I might check the BBC iPlayer versions because I think they're just the bog standard, like original versions because they're yeah, not they're, they they're not the be. HD ones. Um, I'll have to have a look. But like, there were points when, especially in the main like test chamber, where the the Lazarus chamber was re- like pure really? white, it was fully overexposed. Yeah. And it's like I don't think it was an aesthetic choice. I think that was more a case of either they fluffed up the shooting or the color grading is a bit weird because we, as we've discussed, they, they, there are points when they change up their whole production method for the sake of the episode they're shooting. So as an example, last series, we talked about the idiot's lantern and basically everything is shot on a Dutch angle, like the whole thing mm-hmm. apart from right at the end when the wire is vanquished and everything goes back level again. Like it's something I've loved about those episodes, but we don't think that was a deliberate production decision but I need to check. But everything was overexposed. Which yeah, because I don't think it would have been a production decision to overexpose everything because what would be the point? Like, I understand if you want to overexpose the actual chamber because that kind of proves that something's going on in there, but that would only which be is what one they did shot. Anyway. Whereas yeah, yeah. everything else was pure. Like, some, some shots were normal exposure and some shots were horrendously overexposed. I think it could be a Blu-ray, like... Sort of I think it is because we, as we've issue. said before, we have issues with the audio, but the audio mix is really bad as mm-hmm. well. But you know, we're 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 working our way through it, so yeah, we'll we'll get there eventually. I think we just need to watch more with subtitles from now on. <laughs> it's never been, it's not been that bad. It wasn't as bad as series thirteen. No, but like, I don't was, know. There was, was some dreadful. There were the some points mixing. in this episode when I couldn't hear what Martha was saying, like in the slightest. <laughs> oh man! But it's only because so, I watched it so often yeah so izzy asks about what our opinion is on the premise of the episode and the execute so she says that the execution in her opinion wasn't good but the thing but i think the premise could have been better i think and i think we said yeah the premise the idea the concept is the thing is it's not pushing the boat out all that much i mean russell t davies said to uh the writer you know we just big marvel comics big silly evil scientist does something and stuff goes wrong that's basically all it is and then it's a ba- it's <laughs> sort of like a base under siege story yeah because it's just set within well apart from when it goes to the cathedral but it's just set in one building i quite like it you know i think the premise is actually a good premise because it's something that isn't really explored very often i think the idea of somebody wanting to defeat death is Something that's usually explored in the terms of like, like you said, like Marvel villains trying to just kind of overcome the universe and take control and stuff like that. But no one's ever really tried to boil death down to the fact that human bodies just can't handle aging. Um, And I think that's a really cool concept to explore. I do think that, yeah, maybe the execution could have been slightly better in some ways, but at the same time... I think that the conversations that happen in between the Doctor and Lazarus during the episode really hit home for why this episode is as good as it is. Um, I mean, I'm not saying it's the best episode by any stretch of the imagination, but it's a, in my opinion, good episode. I don't think it's great, but I think it's good. Um, You get a lot of hidden... Well, not quite so hidden anymore, but you get a lot of Mr. Saxon mentions. Um, yeah. But lots of just general references. I mean, obviously, yeah. there's a Bond reference in it. There's um, an Elliot have... reference. Oh, what? Sorry? Is it T.S. Eliot, the T.S. poet? T.S. Eliot, yeah. Or yeah. is that the guy who wrote. And then. Is it, it is T.S. Possum's, Eliot, isn't Possum's it? Possum's Book of Practical Cats, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, sorry. The... Yeah, no, yeah. carry on. Um, and of course, the big reference that uh, has been asked uh, by Edward on Twitter about the reverse the polarity reference. Oh yeah, and how it's taken <laughs> them two and a half series to actually do that for Doctor Who. Like, how did it take them this long to do that? Is what Edward asks. And Who was it that used to make that reference? Uh, used to say Portway, that all the time. It the was third Doctor. Reverse the polarity of the neutron flow. So they've t- obviously they've taken this long to do it, and again, this will come down to not necessarily bombarding the audience with doctor who stuff that they don't necessarily know like series five when matt smith took over and and so did uh big moth 
that really felt like the point where they could start to play with Doctor Who. It, it had been solidif- re-solidified again in, in like British TV consciousness mm-hmm. and they could start playing up to old things again. Hence well, why we saw so many enemies come back and stuff during the yeah. Moffat era. Whereas here they're still introducing things, which is probably why they didn't do a reference to reverse the polarity of the neutron flow straight away. I mean, at the end of the day, they can just keep teasing the, teasing these things. Mm. Like, it's what they do on TV. But no, I like it. I think it's... Because when he said it, I was like, hey, that's a reference. Um, yeah. Whereas when we were kids, we obviously wouldn't have understood that at all. But I think it's... We just thought he was saying, but you know, science-y gobbledygook, yeah. which he is, but obviously that's him specifically. Yeah, but I think it's quite funny that in this instance, he actually was trying to reverse the polarity of something, <laughs> which... Arguably, yes. Yeah. Because he was just trying to make it do it in reverse, wasn't he? <laughs> so yeah. I think, yeah, it's quite... I like the fact that they threw it in just kind of off the cuff and the fact that he's like, normally don't take me that long, but uh, I must be out of practice. Well, he, say, he says, you know, yeah, yeah, it's been a while since I've done that. And speaking of that specific scene when he reverses the polarity of the of the machine and, and nukes Lazarus, and there he is, stark bollock naked, laid, laid on the floor, and um, he's supposedly dead, but he escapes again. After the, after the scene in the church, uh, in the cathedral with the doctor playing the organ and so on and so forth, that always reminds me of Spider-Man 3. Um, when, Why? Uh, what's he called? The guy who plays Venom. Topher Grace is the actor's name, but Eddie Brock, oh. when he's like in the when Spider Man's on the cathedral when he's got the black suit on. I don't know how well you remember Spider Man three, and the bell starts ringing and the 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 symbiote is trying to like it's getting all detaching and stuff. And there's Eddie Brock in the church like praying for a way for him to kill Peter Parker, and the symbiote falls down the uh, inside of the church and lands on him. It just for some reason because right. it's like transformations, loud sounds, and alien stuff even though technically this is one of those rare times where the only alien in play is Is the doctor doctor. um it just reminds me of spider-man 3 but then after um lazarus is actually defeated and he falls through the tower and he hits the deck because the doctor manages to basically turn a giant organ into the same kind of machine because he obviously once he understands it once he understands the science of it then it's like technically yeah I, I mean, it helps that, that he's got a sonic screwdriver. Oh, obviously, um, yeah. But that's the only way he can do it. But he talks about sound waves. Like, that's always present throughout the course of this episode. It's always talking about sound waves and resonance and so on. Uh-huh. So it's like, it, it, it feels, at least in the Doctor Who space, justifiable enough. Once Lazarus has died, he does the thing where it closes his eyes and it does like a cut and it cuts back and he's old again. Mm-hmm. And that threw you off a bit well yeah because i mean i'm not being funny but if you die your body stops does it not like is that like you shouldn't i feel like if you're dead your dna is hardly gonna continue to mutate and do anything so the fact that the doctor reversed it i think if they'd have really wanted to show that in terms of, like, get why they did it, because obviously they didn't have the prosthetics for a full old man body. Like, you can't have that shot from above of the naked guy on the floor, dead, with, like, through, like, full prosthetics. But I feel like maybe they could have, like, balanced that shot out a bit better where, where he falls to the floor... And instead of having a shot of him dead from above, you see the monster die on the floor or like you see like the monster sort of crash to the floor. And then when the doctor goes and sees him, maybe he's like old again or so. I don't know. I just feel we didn't need to see him old again to understand he was dead. Like we already got that. Maybe you could have just had him there dead. You see, I I think (laughs) I think you are wrong and you're silly. (gasps) And you're a fake Doctor Who fan, Oh, my God. <laughs> I think, I mean, yeah, I get it. They, they definitely could have made that that, um, that that almost poignant moment of him becoming old again to really signify it being the end. They could have maybe made it a little bit smoother, as you say. It could have transitioned it from being the monster crashing down and then maybe, like, you know, from behind the Doctor and then it's sort of the camera moves and it's like, oh, look, he's old again now. He's not the young mm-hmm. Lazarus anymore. Um... 
But the fact that they made him old again, because obviously we've already seen him, quote unquote, die once already. And he remained young as mm-hmm. he was, you know, covered over and taken in the ambulance. Like he was young. Now he's old again. So it's it's that and obviously using the organ, the doctor supposedly like reversed what happened to him. Well, hence why he died and also the fall. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was there, he was he became old again to fully signify, yep, he is dead. He's not going to come back again. That's fully closing the book. Because if they'd have left him young and supposedly dead, even though he was laid there with his eyes open, like, it would always open up that, that potential door where Doctor Who content creators and article writers and YouTubers will always be asking the question, like, whenever they talk about, like, unanswered <laughs> questions from Doctor Who did Lazarus really die yeah. if he remained young that would always leave that door open and I think it was the, fully the right decision to be like no he is dead he mm-hmm. is not coming back end of story but so then that's, also that, I, that's why I'd say is why he, they made him old again but I do agree they could have made that more poignant moment that important thing just a little bit more robust in its execution and not so jarring I think maybe what they should have done was had him attacking Martha and Tish in the bell tower and then as the doctors play in the organ, they do another kind of um, off-screen transformation back to his, like, younger self to prove that the monster is, like, reversing. And then yeah. as he falls, they could have done the CGI of an old man falling. And then instead of having the shot from above, they should have just had the doctor go up to him and he's old on the floor again and then closes his eyes. Like, I think that would have worked better for the just the general transition because I just feel like it was so jarring to be like, young yeah. man on the floor, closes up backward. Ah, oh, he's old again. <laughs> I think the reason why they probably couldn't have done that is A, because of, again, the logistics of doing a transformation sequence to a creature that big to a human that small would have been a bit interesting and would have probably cost a lot. Um, but also they can just show a big weird scorpion creature hit the deck from a from the top of a tower a human man probably not mm, because i maybe. don't think the doctor's going to go over to a man still in one piece he'll go down to see a splattered old bloke with his brain halfway across the floor which maybe. is probably why they couldn't do it like that i do see what you mean though but, but yeah. yeah, I think there's they, obviously when you're doing stuff like Doctor Who that is for a, a family audience, you have a very, very narrow line to Fine cross, line. Like a tight rope to walk. And it's like I there are points when I really do wish they push that a lot further than they do. Hence why there are episodes like The Empty Child, like Blink, like Night Terrors that just they stick with you because they really push that boundary. And I would argue that yes, this episode is meant to be a bit, a little bit more slaps, not so much slapstick, but it's meant, as you say, the suspension of disbelief. You've just got to run with it. Yeah. And it's like the Resident Evil references that, that you know I've said that uh, that Aaron said. You know, these are things that you can genuinely take into play and think, yeah, okay, I can, I can genuinely see that. Mm-hmm. But when there are the shots of the Doctor and Lazarus chasing each other through the building, when there's the shot of him coming down the corridor and the camera flips upside down, I think, I think that's honestly one of the best cgi chase shots they've done in doctor who not necessarily down to like how the creature looks but just down to like the composition it's just so interesting that they made it do that they could have just done loads of like static plates and Mm -hmm. they just animated the guy running like they did with the slothene it was just static camera slothene run past cut away from it they decided to do something more interesting with it and i i have a lot of respect for that episode for doing that even though the creature and the story it's all a bit silly but they they took it seriously enough and (laughs) something i mentioned to amy during when we were watching this there's one shot when once the doctor says everyone you need to run and lazarus turns up and everyone starts running there's a shot of the um the the lazarus logo it always looks like reverse gallifrey like inverted Mm -hmm. gallifreyan um like on the wall and you've got the silhouette of people running in front of it they put it on the uh, next time trailer for it as well and it's like one of my favorite shots in all of doctor who i don't know why it's just it, it, it's so yeah. cool is it bad that that scene where he's in the hallway and the camera starts turning around reminds me just of high school musical three where <laughs> so instead of uh, in instead of troy singing about his emotions there's <laughs> just a giant scorpion just guy Lazarus. trying to kill a bloke <laughs> it's oh, true though Matt, right, we have to except some, for the uh, fact that high school musical three was fully physical like they literally was, yeah. built a hallway set that obviously had like a um one of those like illusion ends that ended on a flat wall but looked like it kept going but they literally gonna, built 
a three full box of a hallway and made Zac Efron like dance round this yeah. rotating Great. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna move on before we turn this into a high school musical three podcast yeah, because sorry. we won't we'll talk about it. Um Jay has asked, uh while we're just on the topic of big old Mark, well, out of all the Mark Gates' Doctor Who roles, which is our favourite and why? So we are gonna be jumping forwards a little bit in time to where Mark Gates reappears. Now I was gonna say you're gonna have to top, remind me what his top other roles of my are. Head, I don't think he's appeared in many more substantial positions or roles in Doctor Who as the Lazarus experiment. Um, I might be wrong, but I need to double check. I mean, once you've check. kind of been Lazarus, how do you get away from being Lazarus? Do you know what I mean? Okay, so he was Professor Lazarus. Mm-hmm. He was the voice of one of the pilots in uh, Victory of the Daleks, which was the first Matt Smith Dalek era story with the uh, progenitor yeah. and the Spitfires going up into space. Uh-huh. Uh, he was Gantok. Now you're not going to know what that is. You'll barely notice that. No. Now this is this I think was this role was I think Mark getting the chance to do some proper prosthetics, like some more not like old man prosthetics, but weird prosthetics. Do you remember during I think it's series six, um, where he the Doctor goes and plays like electrified chess with a character in it it's like a it's like a build-up to it like a big like montage thing of him trying to find information and stuff like that and he plays electrified chess in a big arena with somebody and he's wearing one of the um uh the the eye patches that the woman uses against the silence basically that's mark gatiss in like loads of prosthetics okay yeah and then he played the (laughs) and then he played the captain in twice upon a time twice upon time not twice, twice upon, upon a, a time. time is it no twice twice upon a time was series 10's that was um capaldi's final episode oh i'm thinking of once upon time once from... upon time from series 13 yeah uh, so there okay. there, there is four main roles in doctor so Who, to put I, it like this i don't remember anything from capaldi so no i'm not gonna remember that basically <laughs> in terms of like doctor who lore the captain is arguably his most important but we're not going to spoil that Okay. As much as it was very much predicted, and it was like, yep, yeah, it's the case. It's exactly what you thought it was. Okay. I don't but, remember it, so okay. Yeah, we'll get to that one. But Lazarus, his performance, I loved. Mm. And another reason why he was so convincing as the older Lazarus is just the way he spoke, the way he was an old bloke always chewing something, it seemed. Yeah. Like, that was why I was always so convinced that the other guy, the older Lazarus, wasn't Gatiss in prosthetics because he performed it so well. And then that weird, creepy womanizer character, basically mirroring Barney Stinson and How I Met Your Mother, like two gay blokes playing womanizers, which is always an interesting juxtaposition. Like we have. Oh, wait, that is Mark Gatiss gay? Yes. I didn't know that. Did you not know that? No, I don't think so. Okay. Yeah, like I think I think his performance in this is really good. Obviously, you get the weird, like oh look i'm transforming uh, yeah yeah but then how do you do a transformation like without actually showing a transformation without being yeah. like, well, like exactly. you just can't it's not possible and then like i said the other two roles danny boy and and gan talk whatever it is like that's not necessarily a big role what was the original question <laughs> which of his roles is the best oh uh, but if you like i, I, I don't really can't really answer that if you can't so. remember his other ones but i would say for doctor who law it's obviously the captain but for just general performance it's lazarus okay and i'm sure we're cool. i'm sure we're gonna see him again at some point in the future like in in doctor who again oh yeah especially since especially Russell's since coming Russell's back, back. <gasps> exciting stuff we're actually okay. gonna get good doctor who for the first time in three years hooray misha asks our thoughts going from one character to another what are our thoughts on Francine Jones as a character in comparison to Jackie Tyler, specifically in terms of their reactions, uh, the, the, of their reactions to their respective daughters traveling with the Doctor, and how their opinions on him change? Oh, it's a very good question, Misha. It's a very good question. Oh, I. Have you got? Do you, would you like some time? I, you I, go I, first. Would you like some time to think? Okay, so I've obviously had this question open for while well, we've been recording, so I've had a chance to think about this. So, obviously, Jackie starts being... Obviously, Jackie's first introduction to the Doctor was always going to be bad because, of course, she disappeared for a year 
came back and the doctor was like, whoops, Butterfinger's my bad. And obviously she slaps him, she hates him, and then she just starts to to, to love him a bit more. She, she warms to the, to the doctor. And obviously, as much as she, she was always still a bit, like wary of the doctor and what happens because obviously she knows she's seen firsthand what can happen when you travel with the doctor she knew how strong her daughter was in rose and the, how strong of a relationship there was between rose and the doctor so she had a few more years to to really warm to the doctor and see that relationship grow so how she was by the time series not series four series the end of series two comes around like it's almost like justifiable in what she's been through with the doctor so first just in the initial comparison jackie's had way more time to grow as a character in relationship to the doctor compared to francine francine has that initial uncertainty because it's like it's your daughter with some random bloke that as far as they're aware they just went off after the night before got a bit busy and then here he is again her like um her concern about david straight away i i feel is a little bit it's a little bit manufactured especially when she turns around to uh to reggie what's her what's her brother called again uh does it begin with an l leo leo yeah i just call him reggie because it's reggie yates yeah um like when she turns to him and she's like something's up i can feel it it's like mm, really can yeah. you really okay sure I, I was like you just met a very like a very confident bloke that your daughter's supposedly banging and it's like i get that there will always be that motherly concern but the idea that there's something bigger going on i find a bit like weird and then obviously you get that random bloke who obviously works beneath harold saxon no spoilers in case you don't know um and he obviously gives her more information and 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 obviously doesn't necessarily change her mind but reaffirms her opinion but i kind of wish it was the fact that he changed her mind that she was like oh hi doctor a little bit concerned about you because i'm assuming you're nobbing my daughter but when she hears about the doctor from this bloke she could have gone one or two ways either she could have gone oh shut up who who are you go away but then also she could have also had a had her mind changed entirely and i feel that that would have made for a much more interesting character than just being this very bitchy difficult older woman yeah because you're i guess as the audience you're supposed to feel for her and 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 not supposed to love her but you must feel a bit of a connection to her because she's a companion's mother in the same way we had it with with jackie Mm -hmm. but they haven't really put it across that way there's never been a point so far where we've liked her admittedly so far all we've seen is the fact that they're they're a family in jeopardy with martha's dad going off and banging some bimbo and whatever yeah so it's like She's not had the best introduction, but I kind of wish her introduction was done slightly differently. Her opinion of the Doctor wasn't already, like, mega sceptical. Yeah. I think she should have been sceptical to the uh, to, for, from a nobbing perspective, mm-hmm. for lack of a better phrase, but not so much from a general, I think my daughter's in danger perspective. And I'd like to have seen that bloke fully change her mind, not reaffirm it. Yeah, I think you've basically just said everything that I was going to say, which is that her <laughs> first reaction feels a little bit too suspicious. Because, I mean, if your daughter leaves a party, meets a bloke and sort of you know he's as the doctor says they've been doing stuff you assume they've gone home they've had sex and that's just kind of she's met a guy you know that happens so i think you would be a bit like okay you've met a guy who you've only just found out about and you seem to be really into him all of a sudden that's a bit weird but okay sure but you wouldn't be he's weird i don't like him he's dangerous like you said i think it would have been good for him to change her mind like she sees the danger that they're in and then he says is martha still with the doctor and she says yeah what about him as if she's on the defensive for her daughter instead of because yeah okay your daughter's met some guy that you don't know who he is and what have you but you would still be on the defensive of your daughter because it's your daughter so I yeah. feel like she'd have been a bit like, yeah, what about him? Why are you bringing my daughter into this? And then he says what he tells her and she's like, okay, like I don't know who you are, but sure. And then maybe after so. he then reaffirms it later, she's like, oh, okay, I see what you mean now. I've been through all this now. Now I can see that she might be in danger. And that's when she leaves the voicemail, obviously. It still leads to the same conclusion, but it's just a more natural It would have felt a little less manufactured. Yeah. yeah. 
maybe they could have i mean it depends on where they could have actually fit this in but maybe they could this could have maybe justified martha's like sudden infatuation with the doctor maybe this is something that's part of her character as a whole and not just something that's come along with the doctor maybe it could be the case that they could have added in a few more lines for like tish or leo that's like oh you know she's there she is getting all googly-eyed over every man she meets Mm -hmm. and then maybe her mother makes a reference like if there's a point when there's just her mum and her talking like there have been like where she could have dropped in a bit of history about how it's like you know you've always you've always latched onto people too quickly you've been burned too many times before by guys and you know her siblings saying that she gets really in she falls in love with people way too quickly Mm -hmm. that would maybe justify her 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 opinion of the doctor so suddenly yeah and give it a bit more grounded a bit more because as far all we see is this girl falling in love with the doctor so quickly Mm mm-hmm and, and, and also it's, 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 it's difficult for us because we've just seen him lose Rose who's someone he genuinely loved yeah. so it's like they could have they could have used this opportunity to ground that facet of Martha's character a bit more so that's exactly what I was going to say it would have grounded both of their reactions much more like sort of purposefully if she'd have said something like you always fall for guys too quickly because then it would have been Martha's character sort of deemed a bit more um uh, like prominent I guess and we'd have understood it a little bit more to be like oh okay so it's not just the doctor that she's fallen in love with super quickly and then obviously it would have given her mum the reason to be a bit more suspicious which was then built up over the course of the episode from the guy who works for yeah. Saxon so but like I said that that could that could easily be just fully implied because as I've said in the past when we've talked about this about Martha's character we all know someone who is like that who will just fall in love in half a second flat Mm -hmm. because some people are just like that but I think it's also more of a testament to how Martha's character ends the series as well which obviously I won't say anything about but like yeah Yeah. we definitely get somewhere but like now we're watching this series through again we're we're certainly picking more holes in the character development between these characters and again I think it might have been a bit more difficult because we've had we've gone from a single mother with Rose and her dead dad who comes back to some extent again over the course of two series to a whole ha- a whole family spat mm-hmm. in the space of one so yeah. it's like it's again it's the Chibnall approach of uh, biting off potentially a little bit more than you can chew so it's all a bit but then again it does kind of come to fruition like you know things are going to go wrong when certain things in a family sense happen towards the end of the series which we'll get mm-hmm. to so it's like that it does work in that regard but again that sort of stuff we'll get to and to sort of wrap things up adam has asked and asked do we think this episode is often overlooked when it comes to some of the worst you never see it in reviews for being bad it gave some character development to martha and her family but it was pretty much it in his opinion um I wouldn't say it was a bad episode. I think Nor it's would I. fine. I think it's just one of those episodes that is take it at face value and kind <laughs> of move on from face, ha, value. face value funny. Nah. Um, but I do think it is a scratch. It's just a top of the iceberg episode. Like you just get what you need to get from it. And that's it really. You don't really have much that needs to be done in this episode to build up a wider universe because the wider universe is being built up over the course of episodes that you wouldn't even notice at this point had you not seen the series before like obviously we've mentioned the saxon references a lot as we're going through this series and that's because obviously it's building to something bigger but really i think a lot of the episodes in this series are kind of scratch the surface episodes like you get some character development and in some of them you get more character development than others but i think this one was a good point to bring in a bit more of the doctor is dangerous harold saxon trope thing that's going on yeah but i do think it's an interesting enough topic that i don't think it should be added in to be one of the worst because the pacing was good the story wasn't unbelievable like really um i feel like yeah okay there could have been small points like we've discussed that were done slightly better but all in all i don't think it was a totally like terrible episode so no i would disagree i don't think it's overlooked for being a bad episode because i don't think it's a particularly bad episode 
I agree. I think people just fully latched on to the fact that the CGI on the monster wasn't great and it had a face, which was a bit weird. But in the grand scheme of things, it's a very inoffensive episode. There's a lot, I think, to like about it. It's mm-hmm. not one of those episodes that's up there with something like, as the, you know, the always go to example, something like Love and Monsters, where there is, and I always say this, there is a genuine heart behind Love and Monsters, but yeah. there's just certain things that are so. I wouldn't say unapologetically bad, but there are things that people latch onto way, way more. And Lazarus Experiment is not one of those episodes, I don't think. I think it's it's a perfectly passable Doctor Who romp. And I think going back to it, I mean, I never had a an overtly bad opinion of it, but going back to it now again, it's like, you know what? This really isn't as bad as people say. So mm. basically, if people add it to their list of the worst Doctor Who episodes ever... I think they're being overly dramatic. Mm-hmm. It's nowhere near as bad as, as people think it is. No, I so, mean, Fear Her was far worse. Fear Her is terrible. Like, genuinely, after going back and doing Series 2, I genuinely think Fear Her is worse than The Monsters. I, do. I mean, the thing is about bad Doctor Who episodes is that you've got to almost judge them on a different criteria to what you would judge a normal bad episode on. Because... A bad episode of Doctor Who doesn't really come down to the monster of the week. It doesn't really come down to the CGI. What it comes down to is the writing and the overarching plot. And I think if you look at this episode from a standpoint of the writing, the writing was excellent. Like, really, the conversations that they have and the dialogue that is shared between characters and the points that they bring out within the episode... The dialogue is spot on a lot of the time. Yeah, okay, there's certain lines that could have been a bit better and what have you, but that's the same with anything you watch. Um, Whereas bad episodes, if the writing is terrible, nothing else matters. It could be the most stunning looking episode in the world, but if the dialogue is crap, it's so obvious. Um, Yeah. Especially, you know, Chibnall's era, you can just see that example through and through that things have been left on the cutting room floor, that like key points have been missed out because he only writes one draft. And it's just like, it's very apparent when something hasn't been thought through and then just produced. Whereas this era of Doctor Who, the, the last thing you can say about it is that it hasn't been thought through really yeah um and i think that's why fear her is bad because the dialogue isn't great like a lot of the conversations that are had within fear her are so rushed and the points are so almost like slap you in the face that it's you kind of think like why why is this episode here but this one i really don't think it's got the structure to be a bad episode because yeah okay it's not wonderful it's not the best but it's definitely not the worst no absolutely you've hit the nail on the head with that one Mm -hmm. so yeah those were our thoughts on the lazarus experiment which again if people think it's really really bad i wouldn't i just say they're overtly wrong but i think it is opinion but i think if they say it's one of the worst they are being overly dramatic and give it another go if you're listening to this having you're just listening through to this podcast and not like re-watching it with us go back and watch it again and 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 genuinely it's it's nowhere near as bad as people say or you might remember like it's it's a perfectly passable episode of doctor who and the more mark gates we get the better Mm -hmm. quite frankly because he's a wonderfully talented bloke and I'm very much excited to see him in Doctor Who again, either as a writer or as an actor or both or whatever may come our way once uh, old Russell is back in the throne. Not that he ever left the throne, but he's back in the throne. Back in the the thick of it. In the fray of Doctor Who. But yeah, that is about where we'll wrap up things today. So thank you so very much for, again, your patience and also for listening this afternoon Uh, or watching if you're on YouTube. If you're not already subscribed to me on YouTube, then why not hit that subscribe button? Smash the like button, etc. Drop a fat fat dab on the bell so you get notified of... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you get notified of videos and so on. And if you're not actually subscribed to me on YouTube and you're currently listening on uh, the old Spotify or Apple podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, then why not Why not search my name? Why not search Rich Hudson on YouTube? Because there's Doc 2 videos on the way. Yeah. I promise they are, being, they are being done. I promise. It's just been slow for reasons we have already discussed. Mm-hmm. Amy, where can they find you on the old social medias? You can find me at Ames underscore Elizabeth on 
Instagram on Twitter, but I don't really use Twitter. So Instagram, probably better. You can find her on Instagram. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at PickupChangeToe. And if you're not following Casterpod either, at Casterpod, K-A-S-T-E-R-P-O-D, on Twitter, then you can do, because you can submit questions for the podcast that obviously we've had a couple of questions that we've uh, we've discussed today so if you would like to be involved at some point in the future then please do follow us on twitter but thank you all very much for listening 42 is next chris chibnall's first foray into modern doctor who good eye let's see how this stacks up compared to what he's been doing over the last couple of years but that will be next time and we hopefully will see you then so thank you all very much for listening once again take care of yourselves have a great rest of your week And we'll see you next time. See ya. Bye.